Hey everyone, welcome to Zon in Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. Carl Olson's joining me today. <laughs> What's up? We're just gonna do a bit of a laid-back episode. This time we're gonna get caught up on what's been going on the last few weeks, because we haven't really had an episode to, to focus on recent developments. Before we start, I just want to say, uh, next weekend is gonna be Anime Revolution, uh, here in Vancouver, and I'm gonna be doing a couple of panels, uh, if you're interested. Uh, Saturday night at 10.30pm, uh, late one, uh, I am gonna be doing uh, Is Your Hentai Legal in Canada? Um, so yeah, come, come check that one out. Also, uh, the Sunday at Anime Revolution at 1pm, uh, I'm gonna be doing, uh, the greatest anime openings of all time. Uh, obviously the, the title of that is Hyperbole, but, you know, I, no one's really done a, an anime openings, uh, panel at this con before, so I figured I should step in and... Christen it? Yeah, yeah, someone has to, so... And I'm sure it'll go over well. Uh, <laughs> I hope that people... It, it belongs there more than ask a character panels. Hey, apparently, I, I looked at their schedule, they have pretty much purged all the Ask a Character panels. There was one Osamatsu panel, which looks like it might actually be an Ask a Character panel in disguise, but I think uh, I think this convention is, is starting to crack down on that, which is good, because more conventions need to crack down on if Ask a Character if panels. If you're going to have fan content, it should be, like, legit, not just like, I dressed up, now I'll pretend to be a guy! Like, I, that's, that's the cosplay. Uh, that's what, that's what, that's what the cosplay contest is for. Exactly. It's, <laughs> like, I mean, those Ask a Character panels are basically just people trying to do a cosplay skit without actually making any effort They're to get to into the cosplay They're trying to do a cosplay, cosplay improv. Yeah. But the problem is, is that you don't have, like, if it was literally cosplay improv, it would probably actually be a sick panel if you had the right people and they had good costumes. But that's not what they do. Before we sort of get into... So more... yeah, go see Jesse's panels, because I will not actually be in Vancouver that weekend. <laughs> Alright, so for the last few seasons on this show, we've done sort of an overview of, of new shows that, that are available streaming. Give a rundown of what we've been watching and what we like, what we don't like, uh, what's, what's worth your time. I don't think either of us have really had a lot of time we've to go through. We've kind of been busy. But we've watched some stuff. Carl, Carl, what have, uh, what have you managed to catch? We're back. More, more of them magical boys. More of those... More of, uh... Shea Defense Club. Love, love. <laughs> cute, love. cute High Earth Defense Club. Cute, love. High, yes, Cute love. High Earth Defense Club. Love, love. I've, I've, Let's love making. <laughs> yeah. Um, more, be- I, I, I feel bad because that ended on such a, on such a great note with more better love making, but mm-hmm. clearly they've figured out a way of, of launching another season of this. And I will now, my biggest thing, and I haven't had a chance to, to, to watch this and I'm sure people on Twitter will be like, ah, he's either super wrong or no, they really, they work this angle. It's of course we get, the, there's a spoiler to anybody who hasn't watched the first season, but we get the revelation at the end of the thing, that it's all this big, me- you know, it's super meta and it's actually been a reality show the whole time that they didn't realize that they were a party to. Um, and I was like, okay, now where, now where do you take this? Like you clearly, clearly this is a setup again, but how? And I'm going to be, oh, I'm going to be uh, curious to see where that goes. I, um, I, I have ha- to like that. It goes like a full eight minutes, like cold open before like it just, just passing. They like they're no, they're not even trying to like. Oh yeah, no, no, no. We're gonna launch back in the plot. It's like the those like the like the battle scenes like probably the shortest in the show, and it's just mostly mostly <laughs> this mostly fan service. Yeah. Oh, uh, we. I've only watched the first episode so far, but I have to say, I'm. It's they've stepped it up considerably from from season one. It seems. You know, it's not really doing anything more. Yeah, than it did no, last it's still time. It's a comedy, it better, so it doesn't but... necessarily need a lot more in the way of fancy animation. But the fact that they're able to, like, at least for their first episode, lock that down is nice. I will, we will watch more of that. Like, there's yeah. just we can't get away from that. So we, um, I, and I'm glad there is a second season because I, you know, when it when it aired, I was I really got the feeling that it wasn't that successful. It yeah. totally seemed like one of those shows that like Jenny would have picked up back in the O's that was like, here's this what here's this weird show that did like 13 episodes and then for them would only sell like 150 copies total. Yeah. <laughs> where it's um, like Mike where it's like where it's like the people who bought it made up a significant percentage yeah. of the audience. But, I mean th- this has not been a show that has spawned, you know, lots of ask a character panels like you'd expect it to. I haven't it's I haven't kind seen of a, a letdown com- because I don't see I like I feel like I haven't seen I, a lot of cosplay for it. I feel like general. there's just not enough guys with the like with the cojones to 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 go do that. <laughs> to me, I just don't want to ruin the character for everybody cuz I do not I am not a, a pretty boy man 
And it would just be really sad to see a 33-year-old dude doing that. Well, like, maybe that's part of the problem is the audience that would be like, yeah, I really like this show. Maybe I'd cosplay. would be like, I can't can't do that to the characters. It, it might be a Western audience thing as well because the mm-hmm. show... F- is so focused on puns and wordplay oh, yeah. that I think it. I don't, I don't okay. get. I don't get most of the jokes in the it show. Worked, I still worked. see that it's funny. Yeah, but I. But you know, I, like most of it goes over my head. It's not that and natural. Like in, it, it, you, you, you sit there and your brain translates it, and yeah. then you groan. Where you yeah, the humor, know it's not intuitive humor. Yeah, like, no. Where you know that, like the second they make the crack, like the second they see the character on the screen, there's probably people who already know what pun is coming and dreading it. Yeah, and we're just not in that position to experience the per, the show from that angle, mm-hmm. and maybe it reads a lot better. Be when you can just be like, "Oh, they're not. They're are they seriously going to do? They did it. They made that joke with that character. Yeah, son of a son of a gun." So speaking of shows that Genion probably would have licensed yeah. uh, if they were still around, uh, we we watched an episode of Amanchu. Amanchu well. seems like yeah, like it's a it's very it's warm and pastoral and sweet and yeah, it's very. Uh, again, only uh, only an episode of it so far. I like how the there's already a million reaction gifs and like little gifs of the character popping between the Muppet mode and like the actual proper character designs. It's like it's very there's a certain fun to that, but it does uh, c- carry that you know I'm in a small town and I feel some type of way about a thing flavor that like a lot of my favorite, uh, frankly favorite Janian things do. Like it's in that someday's dreamers kind of vein. It's in that. Uh, oh, what else is in that? Was I Nia under seven? Like, yeah, you know, it's that like small town Japan flavor. Also, I should point out we still can't stream Nia under seven here. Uh, <laughs> Just saying, Houston, Houston still has that locked out. In Canada hashtag for hashtag Canada needs Nia. Yeah, Amanchu is certainly pleasant. The costume designs are very weird, though. It's a um, very... There's definitely some choices there. It's like, I know no school has this outfit, but we've decided. <laughs> like, I mean, they're, they're, they're school... The, the girls' school uniforms are designed like gowns. I mean, that's by no means the strangest design for a school uniform you will see in anime, but... It's odd. Yeah. it's Well, the thing is, is it's odd in something that otherwise seems like it's kind of grounded. Like the rest of it seems pretty grounded, and then the design is like it doesn't jar you out of it. It doesn't. It doesn't. Doesn't ruin your suspension of disbelief. You just. It's just one of those things where it's like, isn't this something that would be maybe more in like Oron than like this show? Like something that's already kind of fantastical yeah. in its setting. And maybe that's an implication that they're 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 you know like maybe that's maybe that's a, that's a hint. It's a note. One show that I've actually have kept up with week by week so far is Ninety One Days. It's the uh, narratively dense gangster show set in the Prohibition era U.S. Um, it's really good. It's a really dense show. To really absorb each episode, you probably have to watch it a couple of times. It, all, all the characters belong to different crime families. It can be a little difficult to keep track of things. Is it on that? Uh, trying to think of ensemble catches. Is it kind of on that Dora tip where you got like eighty people to keep not, track? It's of? not that bad. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a little it's a little easier to swallow than that. Can be a little hyperbolic sometimes. I mean, when they introduced when they introduced the dawn of one particular family, he he ordered his his uh his head chef to be executed because he didn't put enough cheese in the lasagna. The show still sells its its characters and 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 theme and, and atmosphere enough that you know I wasn't totally turned off by a moment like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, solid execution fixes a lot of the the minor problems. Um, I'm gonna keep up with it for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. I, w- I, w- I would recommend that one. On the complete opposite side of things, uh, Banania. Banania. Banania is, uh, that is, it's just, it's just fun. And it's one of the, it's like, I like these little three minute shows that just, they have literally nothing necessarily of like weight to say, but this uh, is, this may be, but are just like perfectly like, like they're just little bits of like anime cotton candy. They get like, you can't, it's not a meal, but you, you're not, I, you're not going to say know what? no to I've it. Watched, I've watched a lot of short form anime now. I don't mm-hmm. think I've seen anything that is as lacking in depth oh, as the no. <laughs> yeah. it, it may be the fluffiest thing you will ever watch. It is the uh, fluffiest fluff. Sometimes, but, but like, the fact of the matter is, it, bananas that have secret cats inside, and that's all that matters. I mean, on one hand, like I can't help but feel kind of dumb when I'm watching it, but on the other hand, yeah, cats living inside bananas. It's like. <laughs> I mean, I guess the other thing is, is this. I mean, I mean, you had you'd have to have no soul to to completely, you know, decry how, that. How dare you? No, like Thunderbolt Fantasy is really great. I haven't watched any of it, but it looks like I'm glad to see it's, that like that, that stuff has finally gotten a real chance. 
And as opposed are, to Wulin Warriors? Yeah. And yeah. the people seem to be responding to it. I think it's also, it's like Wulin Warriors was obviously an older show. So, I mean, it just, it like, it had that VHS flavor on it, right? <laughs> Did anyone like that? I mean, I, I really, sometimes I get the feeling that it didn't get a fair chance. I feel like. And that everyone's was... just flocking to Thunderbolt Fantasy because Gen Urobochi, uh, is the writer on it. But. I, by the way, I think Gen's providing a, uh, a nice, uh, door through which a lot of people will, I have a feeling it's going to be one of those things where like now, just like how there's like the, the you know, the Sentai clique of fandom, like now that's going to be open for in the West having a similar kind of set. Like I don't, I think where it is kind of, it's not like there's obviously overlap in the Venn diagram of, uh, with anime and other things, but it's also clearly distinct. Like that's going to be some Pearson's, that's going to be some sets favorite thing. Yeah. Uh, going forward. And that's, you know, that's yeah. good. The, the, the show is completely cliche ridden and, well, but it's like visually, it's just visually eye popping, uh, just seeing what they're capable of doing with these puppets, even without the CGI enhancements, which I understand that is now a typical thing in these shows. And it makes, the show, a, it makes a lot of sense because that stuff's so cheap to do now. There's a lot more blood than I thought there were in those puppet shows. Uh, but I, I'm told that the show itself is pretty, uh, Pretty standard for what to expect out of those those Taiwanese puppet shows these days. I'm I'm glad you know I got exposed to something new though. Anyway, you wanted to comment on uh, life of a high school fudanchi. Well, that's I, that was one. Like that was <laughs> that is a lot of fun. I mean, it's not uh, it's it's a pure comedy. Like if you wanted a more realistic show about a fudanchi, oddly a Genshiken Nidame with a cross dressing fudanchi was much deeper characterization. And the uh, manga, which is still running, is fantastic. But it's a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to watching more of it. And and it's and it's 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 nice. It's like I feel like it's the kind of thing where it's bite sized. Like it's a, it's 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 as much as you want. Yeah, I don't of, think I, of of that joke in a shot. I think it's what three minutes of just pure uh, undistilled no homo, basically, <laughs> yeah, which is just that's just enough for that kind of humor. Well, it's well, it's also just kind of like if it ran any longer, the odds of it going into some place that was like genuinely super offensive or distasteful would probably go right through the roof. Like, I think, it, it, I think, based I think, on what I think I've to make seen... that show any longer, you'd actually have to have characterization to offset what's going on. <laughs> based on what I've seen so far, I think it absolutely has the potential to, 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 to go to those places, even within its limited time, time frame. Yes. But, Again, it, it makes it a little more palatable in a sense, and I, I I do find it really funny. So well, and I like I and, and as much as it's a goof, it's like as a guy who's like read Gravitation and 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 really, uh, you know, I, I like I said like Genshin Adam is my favorite manga right now. It's because they're really dealing with a a very complex uh, emotional struggle, and it really relating to to that. Like it's like it's just you know it's something that you don't often in, in, in manga is glossed over. Like that I get the character a little where he's like, look, I'm reading this for characterization, but also then it totally rubs off on you seeing like you get Fudo you totally get Fujoshi goggles, right? So it's it's fun. Like I it's it's one of those things where it's like I I think if I were just trying to be like I'm the wokest person ever, I'd have to hate <laughs> it. But I'm like, one, I'm not. I wanna be honest, I'm not a good person. But two <laughs> you, you can't help but kind of Laugh along with it a little. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, is Mob Psycho, which is oh, yep. dope, right? As yeah, fuck, that is so good, and I definitely want to watch more of that. I when when I heard the description of it first, I'm just like, oh, it's like it's like One Punch Man, except the main character is in high school. I will adjust my expectations accordingly, and well, maybe maybe that improved the impact that it had on me when I watched it. It was, I, it was I, pretty I, good. I yeah. think because I. I, I, I and it's and it's not any slight to One Punch Man. It's just more along the lines of it's hard for me to keep up sometimes. I have seen like bits and pieces, but I have not watched it through. So I didn't come in with like oh, too high or too low expectations. Just like this seems like it'll be a show, and what a show! Um, yeah. I, it's just it's great because you the combination of characters, their chemistry is just terribly likable. You've got lovable bastards. You've got, you know, the, the straightest of straight men, which, yeah, is something that they've also played with. It's good stuff. Yeah. And the, the, the opening is absolutely going to be in my greatest anime openings of all time panel. No, no question. Yeah. No, that opening was off. No, no hyperbole in that one. Glorious (laughs) opening. Yeah. I guess the only other thing I can really point out, at least anime wise, that I've kept up with, uh, is that 2010 Iron Man anime that was running on (laughs) Family Charged. Uh, which I it, it just finished last week, and I did follow it there you go. Uh, week by week. The only reason I did 
was because it was an anime airing on television. Uh, that's really, that's honestly the, the, the novelty of that is the only if thing. There that- had been like one other show that also launched at the same time that was like any, any, any more of any more interest. You'd have been like, nope, no, that's where we were doing that one instead. Yeah. Well, I mean, the show was very mediocre. Really, from beginning to end, it's very stagnant. There are a few surprises, uh, and that's especially disappointing because Warren Ellis wrote the scenarios for all of these Marvel anime uh, shows that were produced back a few years ago. I know that he's he's defended it online, apparently, or defended the sh- the shows online to a lot of criticism. And I, you know, I don't think that he really needs to because it was obviously just a paycheck for him. I think these shows were just developed to introduce characters to audiences in Southeast Asia, apparently, yeah. uh, was the primary purpose. So yeah. I think they, I think the, the expectation, or they figured that the expectations for that audience were pretty low. And if anything, having Warren Ellis write it, or at least writing the initial scenario, as I understand it, was completely rewritten after yeah, no, he, and, he passed it on. And honestly, I, to me, that's the bigger thing is, is like, if he had like, if it was his script and I'd be like, wow, you kind of, I think it's the kind, cause I caught a few of these things here and there. I'm like, wow, I kind of phoned it in. But when you realize that the process for these things, you know, scenario, scenario writer, scenario setter means a lot when that person's really tied to the production. Like, yeah. With like, like the Cartoon Network stuff, there's a lot of the creator, the original creatives on those shows are typically, you know, attached to the hip. And regardless of whatever title they actually have, they're still in that one way yeah. or the other. It's just whether, what other hats they're wearing. For this, like, come yeah, on, but, cut him, cut him some slack. That's not his, I, that's I, not really his line. But also, I would say that Warren Ellis writing the scenario for this show, I think it may have held it back. Because, too much? well, okay, here, here's the thing. The show is set in Japan. It's Tony mm-hmm. Stark goes to Japan to introduce his arc reactor. You know, mm-hmm. plot element from the first movie that mm-hmm. oddly has never come up again in any of the other uh, MCU movies. Hey, remember that it. time you did like, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, you know. remember, Tony, remember that time you you, in, you invented an unlimited power source? And it's like, yeah, that's... I mean, you, that, well, that's... that's it, it was funny, because actually in this show, how it ends is... New arc reactor is developed in Japan and produces free energy for the entire world forever, and everyone lives happily ever after. Well, no, I'm just like, yeah, that actually is where that plot thread should logically no, there, go. There, but- there are so often, so so very. I mean, this is a, this is the, one of those great general like superhero comics critiques where it's like, if you take a look at any given person's power, and especially where, when you start getting later into the comics and it's so ridiculously over the top, yeah. you're like. Any one of them simply is such a, which would, would the, the following through on the consequences of it has such a massive societal change. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's that whole, there's that whole, uh, comic, uh, from Saturday morning breakfast cereal where it's like Superman, a transitional source of power. <laughs> like, um, where the idea is like, yeah, if you have a guy who basically is like can turn time back. <laughs> simply by being solar charged, like the most, the most lives he could save yeah. in a utility calculus way is simply providing free yeah. power to the earth, thus ending all war and any reason for humanity to kill each other. Yeah. But, but, but anyway, the thing is that by, obviously Warren Ellis was obligated to have it set in Japan. Cause yeah. it's, just, it's just so Tony Stark goes to Japan. Why? Here's some bullshit reason for him going to Japan. Uh, and, but the, th- the problem is he has nothing to say about Japan that is relevant to, like, a Japanese social or political context whatsoever. Yeah. And that, and it's just, like, the fact that he has nothing to say just makes it, com- like, everything fall completely flat. In fact, the, yeah. the, the politician villain at the end, um, I, I mean, one of his main motivations is that he wants revenge on America for <laughs> trying to destroy Japan with the atomic bomb. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, well, it's like, like there's so many. That's like, that's like, you're trying, it's like you're trying to say something about Japan, but you know nothing about Japan. Like, obviously it's going to come back to that. Yeah. Uh, well, it's the kind of thing where it's like, if you wanted to, and the worst part is I don't think it would have taken much of the way of research, but you could have really leaned on it. You know, you like there is very obviously, as evidenced by recent events in Japan, a certain right wing nationalism that you could tap into, but it's it's subtle, it's more refined, and the xenophobia isn't obviously fuck America. It's like really it's a lot of fuck everyone else, and we want to be able to be dickheads again. And there's and it, and there's there, there's so much and I'm, I'm, I'm obviously dumbing it down here, but there's, you, to get at that is, um, one, if you do that, you're probably, and you actually say something of merit on it, you're probably pissing off a lot of the people you're trying to sell this property to. And two, um, you can't, you phone it in. Like, that's like, it becomes like, you, you're, it's no longer paycheck work, you are setting up scenarios. And it's part of, I mean, part of why, um, the, the anime, the, the anime that do America best or Europe best, 
you know, they're sending the animators over beforehand, and if it's based off a comic, clearly the person who wrote that comic is the biggest America yeah. or Europe otaku there, there, there can be who does, who does manga. Like, like, you take a look at something like Gunsmith Cats, and very just clearly everything, yeah. down to the finest last little bit is, is, is on. It seems like it's an, it's an anime set in real, in a, yeah. in a hyper real, but real Chicago. I, I think this is why they had him write the scenario and then have, all the actual work be done in Japan is to f- is to fill that gap with and try and but try and make filled- there some authenticity. But, but- they, they probably could have just handed the whole thing over. You probably yeah. could have. I mean, speaking of somebody like Geno Robuchi, it's like hire great Japanese creatives because um, there's none of them that are going to be like, oh wow, I'm going to actually get like a like double probably my regular money for this if I do this. Hire some people who have that interest. Like, I mean, Gainax clearly has a global love of animation. There are studios there. There are studios in Japan and creatives in Japan that have a global view. You know, like they like American stuff as much as they like uh, the stuff, the, the dom- their domestic stuff, their, ja- their Japanese stuff, and would clearly be have the the background and knowledge to make the Marvel stuff work in that context. Yeah, um, yeah I, I will say though that uh, well, of course, this is, this is also. Uh, Presuming that this show ever would have been really good in any context, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if, uh, if it yeah, ever would have given. Just given the nature of the project. why it exists, yeah, yeah the why it exists. Um, I, I will say that the animation quality is actually consistently good from beginning to end. Uh, I, I will give it that. It was it was pleasant to look at, even though the fact that they went with a CGI Iron Man for most of the animation was disappointing. Especially if you've seen the original trailer that was directed by uh, Takashi Koike, you know, back in like 2009, which had this just phenomenal. Uh, cell animated Iron Man action segment that did not carry over into the show at all, despite the fact that it didn't reach that kind of level. It was still it was still pretty good to look at. Um, the reporter char- the reporter characters that were just that were just kind of shoved into each episode were actually kind of entertaining, but they they just didn't really amount to anything in the end. The rest of the cast was just completely stagnant. In the end, there was uh, one female character was revealed to have this mechanical form, uh, and her mechanical form, of course, is completely sexy woman shaped robot uh with with long hair and these kind of dreadlocks that just reminded me of Overman King Gainer uh and I just I thought that was kind of kind of funny and an unfortunate design choice in like every way but yeah overall the like the only reason I follow that was because of just the novelty of an anime running on TV and that kind of I I still found that cool uh, and they also, as I've pointed out on the show before, uh, Family Charge did actually run this whole show uncut. Um, I mean, it has, it has some, some blood and, and minor swearing. And obviously they, they were aware of it because they, you know, they just kept, kept it going on Saturday mornings at, at 10.30 with a C8 rating. I, I don't, I get the impression that Family Charge isn't that concerned about, uh, about language or anything. And, and also the, the ads were, there weren't a lot of ads that ran during the show either. Mm-hmm. And they were able to like keep the whole opening and ending and, and next episode preview. So it, it, it gives me the feeling that, you know, Family Charge did start running anime. That'd probably be pretty cool. I think they, I think they'd accommodate it pretty well. Uh, it still is weird that they didn't run Iron Man in prime time because it, on one hand, it kind of feels like it would have been better in primetime. It would have attracted maybe more of a an, an older audience. But at the same time, I feel like just given how kind of stagnant the show is, I, I'm sure that, you know, I, I don't think there were probably a lot of kids watching it, but I'm sure that there are a lot of young kids who watched it who were probably impressed by it, which is pro- which might actually be more important. Well, no, that's, that's kind of like, I mean, with any of the stuff that airs on television, a huge piece of it's just like you hope that like, just like you and I saw stuff when we were younger... That gets somebody else into it. And then, you know, now more than ever, at least when a kid gets an anime now, instead of being like, let me find the video store that if I'm in a small town might be over in another small town an hour away. No, you, uh, let me install Crunchyroll on my phone. Oh, there's a bunch of free stuff. Mom, give me $7 a month to, 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 to watch the Crunchyrolls. It's less than all the fucking buy-ins that I get for Pokemon Go. So, <laughs> you know. Though it will get me out of the house less, so it's you know you you rate whether that's a good decision. The uh, turnaround on that impact is a lot shorter than it used to be. Yeah, it's a lot easier to get very deep very fast. So we should probably talk about Tubi TV. If you hadn't heard, I'm sh- well, I'm sure if you listen to this show, you have heard the news. But uh, it seems that Viz Anime has finally found a home uh, for Canada and also the U.S. Uh, which is good because, uh, Hulu has actually started purging Viz Anime off of their service, which means that they have no other place to go. Um, but, uh, Sailor Moon is now streaming in Canada on Tubi TV. 
Uh, and I've been, I, I wanted to just kind of blast through all of Sailor Moon S as soon as it came, became available, but unfortunately that's not a realistic, uh, possibility for me right now. Uh, I will get along, I, I will get around to, to finishing the whole thing subtitled very soon. Yeah. Um, I have found it to be a very good platform though. I had, considering that I hadn't really heard of it before, I was very skeptical when I heard that they, cho- that Viz chose them as a streaming partner. Yeah. But, uh, it, it's been working out pretty well. Uh, it has Chromecast, uh, and I use Android, so, uh, it's not the most functional Chromecast platform I've used, but it's certainly better than some. It's certainly better than the Adult Swim app, which is still getting Chromecast figured out. The, cl- the closed captioning is a little wonky. Uh, you have to actually turn the closed captioning on to view the subtitles on Sailor Moon or Viz titles, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, that's not the case on the titles that they're getting from Sentai Filmworks, who is also putting content on Tubi TV. Yeah. Uh, they actually, I think they actually delivered those hard subbed, which you know they gotta they gotta work on that. I think they if Tubi TV wants to get into anime, they gotta learn to be a little more consistent with the way they they handle um, subtitles. But the the problem is that the the way the captions appear is inconsistent depending on your device. Um, yeah. they look fine on, on Android, uh, because they, they, you know, they have like a, the closed, the closed caption, um, sort of background on the, the subs, so they don't look quite right, but it's still watchable. Uh, I've had some people say that their, their setups make it completely impossible to read the subtitles, uh, but I think you can actually adjust it on Apple and other platforms, so if you're trying to use it to watch Viz stuff, get into the settings, mess around with it, see yeah. what you can do, because I think you can make it look better, but they, Tubi has to work on that. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely something, especially because, so, I mean, they're, um, you know, they're another San Francisco-based startup, so... Yeah. Uh, which probably, it, which may be a reason that Viz went with them. Yeah, no, maybe... no, well, well, this way, they're a San Francisco-based startup whose name is in Crunchyroll, yeah. so that's kind of a convenience. They're in their backyard, but at the same time, it means, like, you are already in a really brutal market for talent and the talent that you specifically want for this part of your platform for this job for this anime job uh is probably working with miles so (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no there is definitely some stuff that uh they need to like work on consistency the app feels a little like there's little ux things little user behavior things where it's like if you've got a movie for example you're not scrolling through multiple things. When you've got a list of episodes, sometimes you want a list that you can just kind of like tap through and you don't have to swipe uh, repeatedly like it's friggin' Tinder. Uh, that is annoying when you've got a 52 episode show. And because, uh, because I was, so they've also, they've got uh, some uh, Super Sentai titles on there. Yeah, they do. They have Zoo Ranger but, and Die Ranger, which but, I wasn't aware of. That's actually but, pretty awesome. But the flip side of that is, is, oh, I'd like, oh, I need to catch up. I'm, I'm on episode 26. Let me flip. Through, oh my, oh my thumb cramped up. And those kind of refinements, I think, all the way around, it's clear what they've built is a minimum viable product. This, this gets their, their thing live. You can watch stuff on it. And as an ad supported platform, like, you need to start showing that you have user base so that you can sell ads against that user yeah. base ASAP. But I, I will they're say. They're not going to keep that if they can't tighten the platform yeah. up. Uh, it, if you make an account, it actually mm-hmm. does track what episode you're That's on the show. Uh, but it, yeah, they, they do need to fix that part of the interface. Also, uh, I've been using it for, for quite a while now, and I have not seen any ads appear on the service that aren't for other movies on Tubi TV. Uh, usually Rat Race is the one they seem to like advertising well, so, so, over and so over again. So apparently, like, uh, MGM and Paramount are also content providers on this platform. Yeah. Um, which is, it's actually, I mean, I'll say as a, a total aside, it's cool to see um, some of these studios try and, um, provide even to free platforms some content. Like, it's, uh, I think for people who, I think, I think there's a certain cut of legacy titles that are probably better served for finding an audience on a free platform than on a subscription platform on the thing that you paid to subscribe to. You want that thing that you want to watch on something that can sit free on your phone or on your device for however long. You're much more likely to be like, I'm just flipping through shit. You're not, like, you, your expectations are, equivalently lower um and i think the fact that there's ads that the ads aren't as yet do does like i said i think that just goes to show that they're really trying to get the uh daily active users there first and then it'll be a lot easier to sell ads yeah. on the platform it's possible this is just a canada thing too, too I, yeah. I haven't heard if, about yeah, if you're ads in the states in the US. and you listen to this podcast please tell us do you see like ads for like tide or whatever real real products and not just uh rat race <laughs> yeah Overall, I, I would say that Tubi TV is actually 
surprisingly good. I, I've been, I, I quite like it. Yeah. Uh, also, you can, again, you can stream to devices, uh, with no extra charge, which means it's a better deal than Hulu. Yeah. So, sure. we, we've got that. But I will say that it's pretty clear that the reason that mm-hmm. Viz is finally caved and, and, and going with a new partner is because Hulu's bailed on them. Hulu is starting to bail on them. They've, as you may have heard, uh, Hulu is starting to purge a lot of its anime selection in the U.S. And it's kind of funny to see Americans running around screaming that the world's ending over that. And, and welcome to our world, chumps. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but the Viz has had two titles pulled so far. Nero and Strawberry 100%, which I'm guessing are probably going to pop up on uh, on Tubi very soon. I hope they start streaming Ranma in Canada soon, because that's a big a big one. And again, that really, really strikes me the best way of getting at that, like... I mean, it's not that it wouldn't be fine on a subscription platform like Funimation or Crunchyroll as, as part of a focused service, but I What feel- about the anime network? No one cares. Um, I, I, I am, I am genuinely curious as to how many people are going to get anime network subscriptions now that the stuff is being pulled from Hulu. I, I think of, okay, a focus service with a real catalog, but I mean, I think otherwise having it, having this stuff out where it's free is how you build your fandom, fandom long term. Um, and it helps you build your brand and it helps you. There's a certain, like, there's a certain aspect of it's, if you thought, if the thought is that this is going to help you monetize, uh, if you're going to monetize this, you, there's, there's certain things that you're actually going to get more money for giving away for free in a weird way, I think, for some of these things. It's counterintuitive. Um, and it's certainly considering that, uh, our access in Canada has become more subscription reliant in case of like, you know, you can't watch last season's Crunchyroll shows and things of that line. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I I, I feel like uh, uh, there's a lot of opportunity for this platform, and I, I think the other telling thing is is it's so they started in 2014, uh, and frankly, it's a uh, they have obviously iterated this thing faster than Funimation was able to iterate their uh, their Android and, and iOS apps. Like they're yep. they are clearly coming at this uh, aggressively. So the fact that they're missing some stuff right now, I'm not sure they're I'm not convinced it will be a long term concern. It's- like I think if they put a focus on it. They are gonna, they're gonna fail fast and, and find stuff fast. Those things that they don't have now, they'll, they'll, they'll work out sooner than later if they keep that kind of pace up. Overall, better or worse than Funimation now? I don't know. Funimation now, we've had such like, I mean, on the, on the PS3, like, it's weird. The console versions of Funimation's stuff is fine, but the, uh, the mobile app is still kind of janky and weird. I mean, it's part of why it's like, is, it's trivial for me to, Want like I can afford that subscription, but I'm still just like, ah, but I haven't used it since my la- since my trial ran out in like April. So <laughs> yeah, no, like, and I think it's like you've got a huge library. They've got stuff that's exclusive, and instead of just like you know, if they've got something that's exclusive that I actually think I'll give a shit about, I'll just buy it. You know, that's, and that's kind of like that's, that's kind not, of my attitude too. And that's not, yeah. a, but that's not like if you're up against somebody who's playing a global subscription anime platform game. With co-pros and now also getting into your physical media territory. Yeah. You cannot have that app suck. Well, and you certainly can't be beaten by somebody bootstrapping in one of the most expensive economy, expensive, expensive startup markets uh, on earth, uh, outrunning you. Uh, going back to, to Crunchyroll and their, uh, their entrance into the home video market. I touched on that a little bit in the previous episode of the Sailor Moon retrospective. Uh, and mentioned that, uh, they are dubbing a number of properties that they've, that they've secured. Gintama, in particular, one of them, uh, we know that they are sending to Canada. It was confirmed Ooh. on a, uh, C- on the CRTC website that, uh, 50 episodes of Gintama were submitted to the CRTC and approved as 50% Canadian content, along with World Trigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, this is not a confirmation that it's going to air on TV, but it does at least confirm that it's, uh, being dubbed here. And actually, oh, actually, it's, it is being dubbed in Vancouver. I yeah. I can't get into details on that, but it is. Uh, so <laughs> w- between you know World Trigger and Gintama and uh, a bunch of Beyblade stuff and possibly probably more projects, it seems that Ocean Studios is having a bit of a comeback back finally, thanks to the low dollar, of course. Again, oh. as I as I mentioned last well, time, so this I mean, this brings up a bit of a, well, a an interesting. It's not just thanks to the low dollar, though. Like, it's weird that they would particularly Crunchyroll. Um, yes, they, they're a startup. They have reason to save money. They have no reason to then make that a CRTC push. I think Ocean just does that. Um, but I mean, that's with, still... with most of their, anything that they think might get pitched to TV, I think that they, they submit it. Cause like, if but you go, I mean, if you, if you browse like, through there, like Nana is on there and, yeah, and other but, stuff. But, but I mean, that's, but I mean, the interesting thing is, is like, let's, 
that opens up a, like, I mean, there's an, another front on which they'd suddenly be, you know, they've already established essentially dominance in the streaming space uh, for anime. They're getting into physicals. And the, you thought that they would then turn around and say, like, we're not just going to get this thing dubbed such that we could sell it in the United States. We are going to treat our dubs like the way, like the way we're treating the rest of our things, that this is part of a global project. Like, that would, that would, I would hope would be a wake up call to their competitors that if they, if they got something on air here and something like Gintama, like, could fit on blocks here. Possibly. Um, yeah. you know, we have Adult Swim here now. And I'm not even saying it has to be Toonami. I'm just saying we have a, 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 a block that needs content, preferably semi Canadian. Um, yeah. I, th- I put it this way. I think they do. I mean, no disrespect to anybody who works on Forget About It. But I think they would probably do better with two Gintama airings to get that half hour of CanCon than, than uh, forget about it. And then, like, you know, uh, the, the millionth time we've seen two robot chickens, right? <laughs> you get the same balance out of two Gintamas. Uh, that might, you know, like, there's, there's, there are, there are doors that they are opening that, frankly, I hope their competitors are kind of aware that, like, that's a, that, like, that's a sort of Damocles hanging here now. Yeah. Coming soon to Family Charged, Myriad Colors Phantom World. That would be Eric. <laughs> Saturdays at 10.30 a.m. <laughs> Please. Please. That, is, that is one of the shows that Crunchyroll has. Also, Yamada-kun and the Seven Witches, uh, Twin Star Exorcists. Actually, that's one I could probably see yeah, getting no, dubbed and put yeah, no, like, yeah, no, like, the fan, the fan service uh, stuff is obviously, this is just part of the paperwork. The stuff uh, that actually has marketability... Um, yeah, Yamada could, I, I would like to think that that's something they can get on TV, but it, this fan service is just a bit too much in that one. I, it, uh, well, it's also just but, gets to back, back, back to one of these things where it's like, there was a point at which Canadian TV was, had on basic cable some fairly, um, adult stuff. Oh, even, it, it, just, even then, just, you know, it's not, it's not a matter of, 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 uh, not being able to show, mm-hmm. like, nudity or sexuality or something. It's just the, just the, the context of a fan service show and the way it's done in a fan service yeah. show makes it kind of weird to put something like that on TV. I mean, if they, if a broadcaster wanted to show that, I would not object to it, of course. But it's clearly a market that nobody's tried, but I think it's just <laughs> because nobody, no, nobody wants to be that guy. So it's like, so your network ran the show with the high school girl jiggling her boobs to limbo underneath <laughs> the thing to seal the demon. Like, no. No one's gonna like. No, it's never yeah. gonna like. No, nobody gets up the ladder, and nobody who's crazy enough to suggest that gets that high up the ladder in a, in a broadcast organization. Yeah. Um. That that said, I it would be great to see all those shows. It'd be hilarious. Getting uh, it, it would be great to see all those shows just getting dubbed in yeah. Vancouver as well. Yeah. No, I know. I, I, no, I'd no, love I to see that. And I will say again, <laughs> even though it you know might represent more of a global strategy and means that we might get be, be getting more. Canadian produced dubs, which I, like, I am obviously ecstatic about that idea. Like, it, it's still, there still seems to be kind of a hypocrisy in the fact that Crunchyroll on one hand would limit service to Canadians by limiting access for non-subscribers, and then on the other, on the other end, <laughs> save money by sending their work to Canada due to the low dollar. Like, yeah. you, I, I can't, I have to criticize that. I, I mean, it's the kind of thing that I do, I would hope it, underlines maybe a temporary I, I put this way if we were a beta market for doing that everywhere else fine um the question is will are we mcpizza or are we pepsi max where oh so are we the thing where we get this one weird thing that nobody else gets forever <laughs> well, pepsi max would mean that we got it and then it does go to other markets mcpizza but at least with mcpizza it went away that would mean that they would pivot back and we would get it I'm thinking, I think the problem here is, is right now it's like cherry coke. I can go to America and get it. Here, not so easily. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, they're selling it now. Yeah, but, 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 but like seasonally. Seasonally, yeah. So just like how we get anime for free <laughs> seasonally. Um, we did get Crystal Pepsi first though, so. Yeah, and then it sold out immediately. Really? I've I seen it all over the place. Uh, at least at the, lo- the, the Walmart you buy here, they have just smashed well, that's what you that. get. That's what you get for only shopping at Walmart. Everyone there is so aesthetic, they drink all the Crystal Pepsi. (laughs) That's that. I'm sorry, my Walmart is so based and rare. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I understand in the short term, maybe they just are not big enough yet to make those ad buys work. And I can understand where it's like you don't want to 
be trying to build that out on somebody else's video thing. There's certain re- this video ad delivery service. I can see where, especially because they're part of the churning group, they're part of this larger media group. They're now going to be a streaming television, linear television <laughs> yeah. network, which again, that's another reason with this Canadian thing where I'm like, you know, could they, th- could, if, if Crunchyroll built a large enough library of Canadian dubs and all of them were certified 50% CanCon, is a 50% CanCon anime network viable? Well, that would be a, might be a bad strategy considering that uh, Canadian content regulations are being revised and that may, and the whole, uh, dub your anime in Canada to get it on TV loophole may no longer work in a couple of years. Um, I, I also will point out that, uh, for, for what it's worth, Miles did say at SakuraCon, uh, when mm-hmm. I was there, that it is possible that they will go back on the, uh, the limited access for non-subscribers. But we'll see. We'll think, see where that goes. I think it's the kind of thing where anything that you can do to undercut the illegitimate source, I mean, you, you can only do so much legally because it's just too trivial. And as technology gets better, it will only be easier to set these sites up. It will only be easier to monetize them. And that ease is of incredible value to independent creators. The same thing that lets somebody run a piracy site is also the same thing that lets um, things like Patreon even be a slightly viable source of income for many artists and creatives. Because it means that that whole barrier to entry to distribution is lower and the barrier to entry to monetization is lower. Um, but... That means that if you are a content provider, if your job is middleman, then your whole bit, the whole reason you get to be the middleman is you are doing the best job of making this available to everybody. Any artificial constrictions you put on that, such as needing a subscription for any access to it, as opposed to needing a subscription for premium access to it, that's money that's going to just go out, walk out the door to piracy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, or to hard copy sales, thus undermining your ability to draw in the active users to your platform. Let's not go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. What I'm saying is, is that you're going to peel it off from both directions. Yeah. At the high, high end, people will buy. At the low, low end, they'll steal. So you have to, to, if you don't provide some sort of middle tier access, um, and for that matter, if your premium offering isn't reliable, if you don't make yourself worth however many dollars a month, your high, your, your, your other, your high end piece of your income walks out the door too. Um, you have to make yourself worthwhile to somebody who's been uh, collecting media for maybe now 20 years. Why do they go with you versus owning the physical copy yeah. besides immediate access? And immediate access to a, a, a broken platform is not immediate access. They'll, those people are, are more than willing to, again, look to piracy and then be like, I'm okay because I bought it on the back end. But the problem is in the, in the interim, they supported somebody who's eating your lunch. I, I don't think that there is anybody out there who would abandoned streaming for just physical vi- media. just physical media not like no, well no not like, no, like, no, no, no i don't think it's just physical media but i think you, what you'll have is is that the higher end buys physical media and then pirates the rest if, yeah. if the if the if the streaming service is lackluster um and i think is i think a lot of the creatives or i shouldn't say creatives the marketing people in the industry who have in the in the anime industry who seem to be doing something and i'm not going to name names but i see again and again on their twitter stuff like <laughs> Piracy is a failure to provide uh, a quality platform or quality product. You know, that's a failure to provide access. Inbuilt to re- uh, time restrictions on free access is a direct choice to fail, simply put. Sorry, it's a direct choice to fail. Well, we should probably wrap up soon, but one more thing I wanted to mention. Uh, Carl, I don't know if you've noticed this, but mm-hmm. the August schedule for... Adult Swim Canada is out, and Family Guy and American Dad have disappeared from the schedule completely. Uh, this is well <laughs> into half the month. Whoa. Uh, this is, yeah, and uh, Bob's Burgers uh, is still on television at night, but uh, Adult Swim Canada is now running, like, one episode of Futurama Monday through Thursday, followed by two episodes of Rick and Morty, um, which, you know, suggests that Adult Swim Canada is indeed just may just become the Rick and Morty channel. Just like Teletoon at Night, uh, which looks like is which it does look like is sticking around, is probably going to become the Archer channel. Um, so, you know, again, just digital networks that have one anchor show that support a bunch of nothing. But, uh, but yeah, this is, this is interesting because, you know, if they still have the rights to Family Guy and American Dad, it is definitely notable that they would take them off the air for any reason, even for a stunt. 
because the U.S. Adult Swim would never do that. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely an anchor of American Adult Swim. So, I mean, the only thing that I can think of is is that there's some sort of, I mean, they may just be sort of seeing that the problem is is that in Canada, not that it isn't that not that it isn't there in the U.S. where American Dad and and Family Guy are running on other. You know, both in, in syndication yeah. and on TBS. That, that's and actually what I was thinking. That is, fam- there's so many ways you can watch Family Guy and American Dad, especially in Canada. Yeah. Because the problem is, we get all the U.S. syndication, plus it's coming through on a bunch of cable stuff here, and we have less cable. Th- you know, it's not the you know by percentage, you already have a lot more in a weird way. Yeah. Uh, on just your basic cable package, and to that end, it would suggest that you know maybe there's 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 a possibility of really leaning on that which makes adult swim adult swim and maybe part of the reason you lean on something like rick and morty though i'm say if you're going to do that then there's a lot of other things that you should you know where's china illinois have they ever run that on canadian adult nope, swim no nope, and that and here's the thing is it's like you don't even have to dig into like the really weird weird stuff even the stuff that was sort of set up to try and be a wider audience or even just venture brothers season five and six <laughs> Venture yeah. being a fantastic example. Here's something that you have six, what, 13 episode seasons? Yeah, more or less? Roughly. Roughly. So you've got, let's just say, and I, you, you know, correct me on Twitter, uh, 78 episodes of content, which means you can strip that thing, uh, every night you know of the what? week. That is, I don't understand why they won't air Venture Brothers on weeknights. It's, it's strange. They just kind of air, air it once a week, random episodes. Well, well, especially because it's like nothing that happens in Venture Brothers is any more over the top than what happens in Venture, or, or in Archer, which is getting run, getting stripped. Yeah. Um, on Teletoon, uh, in the same kind of time frame. Nothing's crazier than what happens in Rick and Morty. Um, so it's absolutely, you know, they absolutely could strip it. And, it. and while it does sort of have a certain culty audience side to it, um, you don't grow that without syndication. Syndication and stripping is why we got Family Guy back. It's why we got Futurama back is that just the audiences that had never been able to like regularly or reliably see it suddenly gets to lock into it. I could definitely see a situation where, uh, this is, of course, all the speculation may go down the toilet once we know the fall schedule in a couple of weeks anyway, so it's mm-hmm. kind of silly to, to, to talk about this, I guess. But I mean, I can see a situation where Adult Swim does not see it as economical to renew those shows anymore because Bell and Rogers are probably bidding on them as well for for much and maybe even FX. Um, yeah, no, and, and yeah, I mean... My, they, much already has uh, the new episodes of, of American Dad. And so, that may already be the thing. Yeah. It's just that there... I mean, this gets into another aspect of Canada's media landscape where it's like these things that, uh, you know, we can we can call a block adults from as much as we want, but anything that isn't strictly in its domain... Um, is fair game for one of a handful of companies in our media oligarchy. And, you know, it's just a much narrower set of competition as well. Um, and the result of that is, is yeah, if they, it, the bit, something that would, by virtue of history, ended up locked into Adult Swim in the U.S., has no reason to have the same uh, availability in Canada. I mean, Boondocks, again, four seasons, 52 episodes. Um Still a very relevant show, perhaps more so than I ever think, to, to, I think to air. Netflix actually has that one locked down right now. Yeah, but that gets uh, back to again, yeah. it's not owned, it's not lock, stock, and barrel adult swim outside no. of adult, outside of America. It's anybody's game. So now that's, now that's Netflix yep. here. Like it's always, I mean, home movies. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not lock, that's, that's outside of, outside of the America bubble. Look at all yep. these things. You know, if it doesn't end on a William Street logo or, or a Cartoon Network logo, <laughs> yeah, it's it's ultimately like it ultimately shows how much you can probably do with Ca- Adult Swim Canada if it's given the proper budget because they don't they obviously are not being carried by the shoulders of Family Guy and American Dad like the U.S. network is because it's impossible to imagine that the U.S. network would ever take those shows off the air for any reason whatsoever. But I think that but I think the thing is is if they had to get them again today if they didn't have that kind of what and I imagine there's some contractual things in there that are giving giving them an advantage that. Here, uh, there's no, it's, it's, it's open season. Yeah. And the, in a sense, it means it's probably by, by proportion, uh, maybe more expensive to run those things here than in, for, for adult, for adult swim than and it is there. It's also worth noting that Teletoon has actually, uh, had the rights to Family Guy reruns longer than Adult Swim has. It's true. They, they licensed it, I think, a good year and a half before Adult Swim initially Fuck. did. And they have been, <laughs> they have been running it. I don't think they have taken it off the air between Teletoon and Adult Swim Canada at all since then. 
Um, so, so for it to like, it's starting to break. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it it does it does show what an interesting history has gone on between. But you make a good point. Like, it's also something that would fit on much. I mean, much is running in Cleveland show, um, and it's running The Simpsons. Uh, you know, there's things that used to kind of strip all over syndication that are now anchoring basic cable networks. So clearly, you would fall into that. Uh, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Can, but can... if Adult Swim Canada needs a new anchor, I mean. Why don't they just get Dragon Ball Z Kai and run that, strip that Monday through Friday? You I'm sure it, I like. Just print those dollar bills. Yeah. Well, no, this gets back to the old, like, they would probably, if, if a, a poor man's tsunami like DBZ Kai and like Sailor Moon Crystal would probably just make it rain cash here. Like, that's, that's always the, that's always the thing. It's like, they don't need to, they don't need to have any of the other, they just need the ba- most basic wraparound packaging and strip it. At, at, at 12 p.m. at 12 a.m. and I I think you that if they, I well of course just armchair mm-hmm. thoughts I I really think that if they did get just even just the most basic thing like Dragon Ball Z Kai that it would be a significant anchor more so than it could be in the U.S. where I, I it actually got pulled from its 8 p.m. slot yeah. uh, a few weeks ago if I believe I believe but um and also in Canada I don't think would have to be as miserly with it as as Adult Swim US is, or Toonami is yeah. in the states, I think that it, it it could hold the network up at least with a with a good a good segment of the audience. Yeah, but you know what do I know? I don't work there, so. <laughs> but you know, hit us up in the DMs, slide to our DMs, tell us why we're wrong. Networks, yeah, deal with it. I want to hear all, I I want to hear all the complaints from the networks about why we're wrong and what the real scoop is. If you can, if you can correct me, I welcome that. And we, were, and we will not out you. We'll just put it out there for the, <laughs> for the, for, for the fans to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode. Big thanks to Carl for coming on. Also, thanks to Carl for composing the theme song for this show, which you can purchase as part of his album Packet Flood at ultraplystron.com. You can reach me through Twitter at Canada or email zonncanada at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes or on your podcast app of choice. And as always, please recommend the show to anyone you think might be interested. See you again!